0: Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe.
1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Emily, and joining us on the show is Brian from Premium Athletes out of Illinois. What's going on, man? How are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great. How are you?
1: I'm good. Thank you for asking so before we dive into the nitty gritty of what you guys have going on and how you run premium athletes, tell us a little bit about how you describe the business of people and what made you want to start this gym in the first place?
2: I grew up as an athlete, uh, therefore, I mean, I just really wanted to start a sports performance gym. So, uh, high school football and then in college football, and then work in the rec center and, uh, just working with people and um, finally went into coaching a high school team. Mm -hmm. And then after that, decided that I wanted to open my own sports performance gym to make high school athletes, you know, better and hopefully get them scholarships to college as well.
1: Yeah, that's pretty cool. So also kind of a, not funny story, but it's interesting, like your gym has kind of evolved into also helping the general population as well. So, like, how did that come about?
2: Absolutely. So it was mainly through the parents of the athletes. So we started about 15 years ago. And um, a couple years in, uh, the parents were like, hey, how can we do this? Um, How can we, you know, get in better shape? We see our sons and daughters just, you know, working super hard. How do we do this? And so we decided, you know, we start doing adult classes. We started with some personal training, training, training. their parents, almost very similar to how we trained them, a little less impact stuff. Mm-hmm. but And they started seeing really, really good results, right? Um, a lot of hit training, stuff like that. And then they started talking to their friends and uh, we started doing group classes with them as well. Almost very similar to how we trained uh, our teams and our athletes. You know, we coached them, we pushed them hard, we you know and they saw a lot of results through it
1: yeah so is that something that you expected or were you even looking for that at that point or was your main focus like athletes only
2: well yeah so throughout college I did personal training I loved it I'm a big people person I love working um, with basically anybody like I get along with almost everybody and uh so knowing their kids I almost felt like I know them a little bit and uh, I got along with them great. Uh, and I was able to push them really, really hard and <clears throat> I just really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, I think that's really cool. So you've been an entrepreneur for right around 15 years, right?
2: Yeah, it's been it's been 15 years, yeah. Yeah,
1: that's a long time. Uh, well, from my perspective, because of my age, that's a long time. Um, yeah. So tell me like, and this is kind of a broad question, But what are some of the most important skill sets that you develop over the past 15 years that have helped you keep your doors open?
2: Yeah, like I said, I'm a big people person. I feel like you have to be when you're doing this job. Uh, In my line of business where I'm almost coaching all the time, you have to be a coach. You have to be loud. You have to be out there. You've got to, because you're dealing with groups of people, right? Um, and you got to keep them motivated. You have to be high energy. Uh, I think those are really, really important. Uh, personal training. I do a lot of that too. That's just being that people person, uh, knowing knowledge of what your client needs, what they want to accomplish, um, and helping them achieve those goals. Uh, but yeah. Okay.
1: So I always like to to ask like on the other side of things like what are were there any particular skills that that you had to like get rid of or just habits I'll say that didn't necessarily serve you and where you're trying to go with your business Hmm.
2: I mean I don't know if there's anything I had to get rid of it's more about being able to transition I guess like I said from like that personal to that personal training to that coaching right you Mm -hmm. have to be able to cause it's, it's two different things, um, where, sorry, where you're just you know, like going from like almost not screaming at someone, but like, you know, motivating them, coaching them, yelling at them like to, you know, get their stuff in gear
1: yeah. uh,
2: to, Hey, let's, uh, this is the workout we're going to do. This is how much weight you did last week. This is how much weight we should be doing this week. You know, like this is your nutrition plan, where it's way more personable. You know, they might see better results because it's so much personable yeah. um, than you know just. I mean, than the coaching side of it. So I had to, I had to learn how to transition a little bit better.
1: That makes sense. That makes sense. So really, it sounds like you were you learned how to be adaptable.
2: Yeah. Exactly. You,
1: okay. So let's talk a little bit about marketing and, you know, what's been working for you guys to get people in the door. We talked briefly about this uh, pre-interview, but like for you guys, what do you think has been working really, really well?
2: Right. Yeah. Um, like we were talking about we've been doing it for like 15 years and like it's changed so much over the time. Before it was all word of mouth. You... You did a great job. Your clients loved you. They would tell other people or, you know, like I said, the athletes would tell their parents or their parents would see their athletes doing it. And that's how we built our clientele. Mm -hmm. Now it's, you know, we've changed locations a few times and it's become more and more marketing, like you're saying. So like working with Google ads, Facebook ads, stuff like that. We've been trying to do more and more of that. Mm -hmm. Um, We've done flyers um signs stuff like that as well but it seems like more and more getting into social media getting into those google ads facebook ads have really built up our clientele even more and more at least 20 percent over the last couple months
1: so what's been your experience with the google and the facebook ads
2: everybody there i mean when you're scrolling through any social media you see tons of people trying to get you to use their thing to do whatever, like to sign up with them. Right. Um, so finding that right person and making sure that they're the right fit to do your, uh, social media, to do your ads and stuff like that, I think was probably our hardest challenge, but I think it's probably one of the most important things. So before I chose anybody, um, I talked to them a lot, saw like their history, their past, um, and made sure that they were the right fit for our gym.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So are you doing, so let's say somebody sees you guys on Google or a Facebook ad, mm-hmm. um, what does the process look like for them to become like a paying member?
2: Right. So, I mean, basically it comes down to a phone call. Um, it, we don't, really get a lot of like stop-ins they don't usually stop in and say hey we get a few here and there but good phone call i explain what we do you know it's it's our little niche right we have there's lots of sports performance gyms out there but i don't know how many work with adults as well you know and the everyday person you know so selling them on the fact that like hey Just because you're an average Joe or an everyday person doesn't mean you can't train like an athlete and become like an athlete, like have a body like an athlete, work hard like an athlete, feel like an athlete. Right. Um, So showing them like what that takes um, and how that can be accomplished um, over the phone, I think sells them pretty well.
1: Yeah. So are you doing like the majority of the selling when they, you know, purchasing whatever they're getting?
2: yeah so I will do most of the selling I mean they'll call me that the phone number online is my number Mm -hmm. so but my other coaches will take them through you know workouts as well yeah
1: okay so did you have to were you already confident in your sales ability when you first started or is that something that you had to work in develop?
2: no I was not actually uh no, that was all word of mouth. I was not good at sales. Yeah. Uh, I was a people person. So that's what got me the sales. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was able to, you know, get along with people and then like also show them how this stuff works and like why it works and that would sell them. But mm-hmm. in terms of marketing and doing that whole thing to get sales, no, I was, and I'm still not very good at it. So that's why, yeah. um, you know, give those responsibilities to other people absolutely knowing exactly you know your niche and then giving responsibilities off
1: yeah I mean that's something that I talk to a lot of gym owners and they that's something gym owners find very challenging it's just delegating other tasks sometimes regardless of whether they're good at it or not so for you personally like was that hard for you to do or were you just like please take this away from me
2: I, yeah, no, I like doing things myself for sure. So I definitely tried it, but, you know, I pick up a phone, pick up a computer and it's just not my thing. It's, it's definitely, like you were saying, something I had to delegate. And so um, I think, like you said, I think a lot of gym, op- gym gym owners open a gym because they love the fitness aspect of it. They love working out. Uh, so I think a lot of people should Mm-hmm. I think it can be done better. Like, so I yeah. just admitted to myself, hey, this could be done better. So I delegated it off. For yeah.
1: Sure. I mean, I can definitely appreciate that mindset. Because um, I feel like sometimes some people wait, not until it's too late, but, you know, it's more of like a, a reactive decision instead of a proactive decision, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, what would you say is the most challenging thing about having your own business?
2: For me, it's, the marketing yeah <laughs> same I mean uh for sure it's it's I mean obviously the money aspect of it right you know am I gonna make ends meet because yeah. because at first like I just opened up this new location is this new location going to make ends meet so uh figuring that whole aspect out but then realizing that this marketing aspect of it and me delegating it off to someone is going to help my business, right? It's going to make ends meet. I have my base clientele. I have my, you know, the people that have been training with me for a long, long time, but how, because when we did move, our lease went up, you know, our rent went up. Mm -hmm. And so like, how do we make ends meet? And it was, you know, it's hey let's because we're in a new place new location how do we get new people and yeah that really is i mean as much as word as mouth mouth works still like and it definitely is the number one i think still how you get the most clientele mm-hmm. um it was delegating this whole marketing aspect off.
1: yeah so obviously there's a when you have a nine-to-five job right there's obviously some security because you know that if you go to work 40 hours a week, you're going to get paid whatever bi-weekly or every month. Yeah. So I guess for you, like, why did you decide to take the risk and bet on yourself?
2: Um, because I think when you're passionate and you love something, that it's going to work out, right? I really love fitness. I really loved sports. Uh, and it was my passion. So I was going to make it work no matter what. Um, <laughs> Yeah. And it ended up doing pretty good. Like I said, I've been doing it for about 15 years. I still love what I do. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'll ever stop, you know? Um, and yeah.
1: Yeah. 15 years later.
2: Right. Still still loving it.
1: Yeah. 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 So what is your, like, what type of lifestyle your business to provide for you? Do you see yourself continuing to coach for a very long time? Do you eventually want the gym to be running on its own? What does that look like?
2: That's a good question. Um, yeah, I want to do it for at least another like five years, maybe ten. I don't know. I mean, I see myself getting older and not being able to do like this, you know, the huge pile boxes or the crazy jumps or the speed like I I mean I understand that eventually my body will break down I don't want it to and I'll keep it going as long as I possibly can um but yeah I I know that eventually it'll go um I do have some great employees I think they do a great job um and I I can see myself weaning off of it and handing more of the reins to them and uh, I think they'll do a good job with it
1: yeah So what would you do with all of the time that you would get back?
2: That, um, my wife is, she works, um, she'll probably work for a while. I'll probably retire before she does, but, and like, you know, have the gym on the side and then I will spend time with my kids, uh, and maybe do some hands-on stuff like building, you know, houses or whatever. I mean, I built the gym. Uh, all three locations I've helped, you know, put in rubber, put in the mirrors, put on, you know, set up the racks. Like we've, we started with an empty shell and we built those up over time. Um, new equipment, you know, cool, innovative stuff, especially for sports performance. There's some really cool equipment out there. Um, so I've done all that and I really like that. I like work with my hands. So as I delegate more of those uh, responsibilities of the gym and the training to my Trainers, I'll probably start doing that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, Brian, this is a really good place for us to wrap things up on this episode. But before we sign out, I have one more question for you. And that question is thinking about everything that you've learned over the past 15 years, the good and the bad, if you could go back to 15 years ago and give yourself a piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be?
2: Hmm. I knew, like th- there's going to be, there's going to be a lot of struggles. We've had a lot of, a lot of struggles throughout the 15 years. I mean, my partner, my original partner got in a little bit of trouble. Um, I had to take over the business and it was in a, a lot of debt. And so we had to bring it out of debt. And then another one of my partners during COVID passed away. Uh, that was really hard. I wish I would have just, known that it's not always it's not always good you know there's going to be those rough times there's going to be those hard times but like there's people that help you you know take advantage of that uh, a lot of my clients helped me out you know moving locations when people left you know they were there they helped out um, my wife obviously definitely helped out a lot but there's I mean, would have told myself you don't have to have so much anxiety when things go wrong because there's always people there to help you out like and take advantage of that you don't have to do it all by yourself
1: very well said brian uh but yeah. so before we wrap things up on this episode please tell our listeners where they can find you
2: uh premiumathletes.com um we're also on Instagram, it's just premium athletes, Facebook premium athletes. Our address is 1380 West Lake Street, Roselle. Um, If you ever want to stop by and check us out, go for it or just give me a call. Um, You can find all that information on our website as well.
1: All righty. Well, thank you so much, Brian. We really appreciate your time and contribution to the podcast. And of course, looking forward to seeing what you guys are going to continue to accomplish down the road. So, To everybody who tuned in today we appreciate you guys as well don't forget if you would like to be notified about future episodes hit the like and subscribe button and if you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry click the link in the description and as
0: always until next time jill lords out thank you for listening to this interview but don't go anywhere we still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode
3: What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Gym Lords Podcast. I'm your host today, Adam. And today with me is none other than Mr. Morgan with High Voltage Gym out of Limerick, Pennsylvania. Morgan, how are you today?
4: I'm doing great, Adam. How are you making out today?
3: Not too bad. Like we said earlier, it's early, so, you know, anything <laughs> can happen. But uh, it's going to be a good day. It's going to be 78 degrees here, and, you know, I can't complain. So
4: yeah, We've even got to 60s, so that's surprising to us. Yeah, there you go.
3: uh, I'm originally from Michigan, so I know definitely about the cold and the Midwest snow and all that fun stuff. So, Um, but yeah, thank you for taking the time to, you know, have a conversation with me today about everything that you're doing. So what I'll do now is open it up to you, go ahead and kind of tell our listeners a little bit about you, how you, your your experiences, your passion, how you got into this industry um, and how you opened High Voltage Gym. All
4: right. Well, I'd, like I said, it started when I was uh, really young, actually, training. My father was in the Marines, and he was really big on pushing sports conditioning and boxing and things like that. And then later on, I thought, oh, it would be something different. I went into more martial arts and still kept training. Later on, I took a job at the YMCA just helping out during the day, and it proved all the way into where I was a wellness director. So I was a wellness director there for about 25 years. So I was able to purchase all the equipment. And take any seminars and clinics and so forth that the Y would pay for. The more I could know, the better money they could bring in for them, they figured. So I took every class I possibly could. Um, I really seemed to excel a lot more with uh, personal training, more so than group training. That wasn't really my, my forte, even though I did a few group classes. But the personal training, because I feel that everybody's an individual. And just trying to do a generalized workout with everybody just never seemed to work. I stepped into a lot of uh, special needs uh, categories, people with m s parkinson's stroke. Um, I just felt like somebody had to be there for them, you know, and sometimes we didn't do a lot with them, but just getting them from a machine to a machine and being able to work with some people and talk with people and be exposed to everybody else on a normal basis seemed to really help them mentally and to me that boosted me up and made me feel a lot better so. Later on in life, my wife and I decided uh my strongest and biggest supporter in the world. Without her, I couldn't do anything. She's uh, been training with me for many years. She teaches our youth karate classes, and she takes care of all the paperwork and all this crazy stuff that I can't seem to understand or keep up with. That me time to actually work with people and take time to write my new programs and things like that out. So once we started at this, we came home and we started in a smaller gym outside our house. It outgrew it. We outgrew it very, very fast. So we took on a space, fifty-five hundred square feet, real close to the house, which was nice because we didn't have to travel far. We started just teaching karate, some mixed martial arts, and doing some personal training. But it just kept growing and growing, and each niche came. So every time something that came along that we thought we had a slot or space for. We would try to put it in. Originally, to be truth with you, Adam, I was trying to do everything on my own, thinking, okay, you know, I've been studying this all my life. I should know everything. I think I finally woke up, and anybody that's going to go into this business is going to have to realize that, hey, you're not the pinnacle. You are not the top of the line. Sometimes the things you may know, you can't teach as well as somebody who's extremely enthused about it. So we went and found some really good instructors that, like our Muay Thai instructor, he loves Muay Thai. So he's my Muay Thai instructor. Not that I can't do Muay Thai, but he's just zealous about it and seems to bring more out for the people. So we did the same thing with our boxing coaches and our BJJ coaches and judo. And I like doing a lot of the self-defense, the street combat stuff. Uh, At my age, I don't get in the ring like I used to and carry on with a bunch of guys, but I do a lot of personal training. I do about 30 clients a week. Uh, Probably eight or nine of them are physical therapy people who have either need to be post-rehab or, or, or pre-surgery work to get them ready. And a lot of the orthopedists in the area have worked greatly with me as far as referring people to me and things. Of course, my age, I've had a lot of surgeries myself over the years, including shoulder replacements and knee surgeries. So kind of working myself through them has helped a lot. But then I always went back to just continuing to this day, still taking seminars and clinics on orthopedists and new exercise programs and things like that. Um, I was never a big old technology, Adam. Do you know what I mean? It's a hands-on thing for me. But one of the gentlemen that runs uh, our running classes, he had, was a company. His company is called Veo Technologies, which for me it's beyond my comprehension. But they use these sensors. You kind of look like Tron on a cartoon character when you're wearing it. But he sends you through a series of exercises, and what it does, it gets the kinetic and the kinematic. Uh, energy flows also does gyros and accelerometers, so it'll tell you where, how you landed. Did you land wrong? So they've been doing it a lot with the. Uh, he has a contract with the Philadelphia Flyers. They even do horses, but uh, the Philadelphia Flyers and a lot of sports teams. And what happens is if somebody's running and they're doing really well, the machine will say they're running great, but there's a 20% chance of an injury because this left leg is weak and this muscle or that muscle. And then that information is fed back to me from my clients and I can picture where their weakness is and try to look up different exercises and explore and examine and try different things to make that, that correction. So it's been really interesting for me to tap into technology as well as just my own brain. I still like getting into the uh, anatomy books and things and doing my own studying, but, and writing my own programs. And I try every program that I try to, you know, everything that we do, you know, we try to work together on. Then membership is uh stays really like kind of averaged out. We get probably, well, we have an average of about 300 members a, a month, but I probably have another 20 or 30 that float through there that are just in temporarily for therapy or rehab or nutrition, consulting, things like that. Uh, it just seems to be going real well for us. I, just, I couldn't do it without my wife and without my instructors. Though. I, I do realize that that's just a very, very important thing. And you must research everything you do. You can't just take on a whim. Um, they said you were with Orange, with Orange Theory. I love the fact that they're using heart rates and actual numbers to visually that helps people tremendously. I think some people, other people, it doesn't mean that much to But that's something that's really important. So we use a lot of heart rate monitors, mainly just polar heart rate monitors. But we use those for all my clients. And I'm able to watch their calories as they're exercising. And I say, if I need to get 10 calories a minute, we're down to six. You better pick the pace up. You know? So I have set goals for myself. Every, every client that we have, whether it's my instructors or my wife or myself, we try to set goals for us as well as for them. And hopefully they can accomplish something, even the smallest amounts. But the main point is to get across on it. This isn't a three-week program, a six-week program life changes forever. You have to be able to look at longevity. I mean, look how many people are saving money because they're going to live so much longer. Well, you don't want to live long if you can't even walk around or get out of the seat or the chair. It's, it's frustrating. And I see guys and not being condescending but see guys in their thirties and forties who have still had that same belief that you can train like you're 20 years old. And then all of a sudden they, <laughs> yeah, well, you're still young yet. I believed that till I was like 50, and then the shoulder fell out and the knee fell apart, and I decided I had to change some uh, some of my programming around and use a little more common sense than ego, mm-hmm. and uh, that has helped me out a lot too. And also, as you get older, you, I think in this business, you're going to have to find that your ego has to take uh, second place to other things. Uh, like I said, believing that you got it all or you know it all or you're the best of everything isn't possible for anybody. There's very few best in the world, so to speak. So trying to be comfortable being in the middle of the mountain more or less and pushing people up to get them into that position to help me grow and help my business grow uh, was hard for me to adjust to, mainly because of my big head. But now I'm, uh, yeah, now I'm much more settled down. And actually, as I get older, my priorities have changed. And it's, it gives me a new sense of feeling and a new sense of meaning. We do a lot of community services, too. We work with the veteran centers of the Foster care programs, the women abuse centers, stuff like that that we can do that doesn't cost us a lot, but it gets a lot out to the community. We're not really looking for a lot of money back from that. but The feelings that you get from being part of the community is really, really important. And I think that's helped keep my business strong because we have some really loyal members. So it's worked out real well for us. I'm
3: going to be real honest. I wouldn't want to leave your business just because how genuine and passionate you are.
4: <laughs> well, I try. It's it became like an addiction in some sense where I I just I have to see some results. If I don't get results from somebody, it very frustrates me a lot. Yeah. and I really hate to see young kids who'd love to play sports or love to do this, but to see them with a, a surgery or a sling on or knee problems, and it's all due to just improper mechanics. You know, we were kids work hardening. Let's face it. When we were young, a guy went to work. He was already tough. He didn't have to come to the gym to get strong. He's worked in steel mills, welding, you know, construction. Nowadays, everybody's sitting sedentary and they think they can do the same things they did before. And it's just not working out for them. So that helps our business, you know, especially mine. But at the same time, I like to make some of those corrections and give some people a little more long-term shot at things, you know,
3: yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I've had four hip surgeries and one hip replacement. And I'm only
4: 32. So and is, uh, they, they did a shoulder replacement on me, which I was amazed This Dr. Mike Messina, young guy. I originally went to, I don't want to mention other names, but I went to one place and the gentleman said, Hey, there's nothing I can do for you. You're, you're 68 years old. You're, you know, I can do a reverse replacement. You're going to lose 60% of your mobility. And I, I just couldn't, I didn't feel like that was for me, that maybe somebody who was in terrible shape or whatever, I was just abusive to my body, not in bad shape. Uh, they actually made me a shoulder on a 3D printer, and many of the parts were made in France and then sent here. Seven and a half hour surgery later, I have incredible mild. I hit like a horse. I can do chin ups, pull ups, anything you think, but my muscles aren't even attached where they're supposed to be. They've all been moved due to the surgery. And I had to train my body again to stay in the right mechanics. And yeah. once I did it, though, it's it's been great. And unfortunately, with people going to therapy, you know, they have protocols and they say, okay, look, you're 70 years old. This is what I need to get from you. 40% of this, 20% of that. I want 100% of everything, if at all possible. So turning that around and getting in and helping these people and getting them to mature past that point, they don't just stop with moving the things from the top shelf down to the bottom because they can't reach them they're able to start moving and and reach again for them. And it gives them a much better sense of confidence and a better feeling. So that's really what I'm looking for in life is make people feel a little bit better. Um, I was a pretty rowdy individual growing up. You know what I mean? Just uh, didn't have the right feelings. I don't think. And uh, now I think I've adjusted my mentality and uh, plus my grandson and all these other family really helps bring that to you. So if you have a strong family and you're running a business and strong back, you're going to do okay.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's if if there's one thing that I've learned, and I obviously am not, you know, have the wisdom that you do, but is that the the body is a very mysterious anomaly, right? It it, it can do so many things, and for somebody, I don't like being told no and what I can't do. It's just, <laughs> for somebody a doctor a medical professional cool you went through 12 years of schooling you know you're a doctor you got a lot of experience i get that i'm not discrediting anything however the body can do things that nobody's ever seen so for somebody to say you're going to lose this and you're not going to do this why would you lose this and get this if you're doing everything that you can you're you're stretching you're doing range of motion movements every day you know the goniometers the the degree you know all the all the things I, I truly believe that there isn't a way for you to bounce back somehow, some way, even if it's 97%. You know, there it's it's all about discipline and the mindset to to train your body to tell your mind and your brain to to do this. So, you know, I'm I'm very resilient in that aspect that, you know, the body can do amazing things if you just actually try.
4: Well, it takes a tremendous amount of personal strive for you to do that. And people, some people can't handle a little bit of pain. They think that. A little bit of discomfort is pain. They don't understand what actual pain is. Yeah. So I don't think they take that. And I think part of the thing I noticed, especially with orthopedics, for many, many years, I mean, 30, 40 years, they were doing everything identically, exactly the same, nothing changed. So those doctors that graduated 20, 30, 40 years ago, they're still doing it today, are very good at what they do. But these guys that are just coming out of orthopedic school five, 10 years ago, using these 3d printers and 3d cat scans and things to it's actually showing you there's so many more things you can do with your body. And I think it's our responsibility to give everybody a chance to, to live comfortably chase their grandkids into their eighties. If they could, you know, like, uh, it ch- kind of enjoy life more. So and martial artists are really, I found that people think martial arts beat themselves up. They do for a while, but I think after they get it down pat, Injuries are very little. We have few fewer injuries in our MMA programs than we do in our actual weightlifting program, and it's usually people thinking they can overlift. Everything is a deadlift, bench press, and uh, squat. You know, and it don't matter if you're nine years old or sixty; they still want to do the maximum amount of weight. So, trying to get people to understand that smaller weights and and understanding repetition and time under tension and things like that is going to improve them along with their diet and nutrition. Their mental attitude comes along, everything changes, but they've got to be willing to put forth that time, that it's not a two-week or three-week program. It's it's like somebody tells me, oh, I was out this weekend, I gained 10 pounds drinking. I said, do you realize you'd have to eat 35,000 extra calories to gain 10 pounds this weekend? I said, the alcohol might be holding it on you. Water weight, but and then drinking is another whole concept where people believe they can drink all week long as long as they don't eat, and it's going to be good. Or they have these diets out today, like I said, that have cut out so many foods out of our diet. I'm a real big believer in eating according to the rainbow. Every color I can get into my body, vegetables or whatever, the more colors, the more vitamins and nutrients. And these people that cut out 40% of what we're supposed to eat they understand why their bones are getting brittle, their joints hurt they just don't look healthy it's all about trying to go back to being natural again and eating things on a normal basis and everything out there that god put on this green earth we should be able to eat in moderation even alcohol like i said in moderation you know what i mean but the excess of it people don't realize you you get a little bit of a buzz on the weekend you might as well write a week's food off because your body's going to spend the next week trying to get rid of that alcohol and sugar. And it's not going to process the food you're eating. And so digestion changes, all those things. It's, it's pretty impressive. The human body is way beyond. I, I, I could delve into it continually and it just continually changes and improves. And the idea that it's a never ending knowledge, it's like martial arts in a way, you know, there's always something new happening with it and a new way to make it happen. So I'm, little, I'm, I'm happy with all those things and I'm happy that I'm, able to do this before I got too old, you know, and I can maybe pass it on to some people and get it out there.
3: Yeah, no, you, you got in and, you know, um, you know, the, the, the value and the wisdom you provide sounds, you know, um, you know, right in line with a lot of things, you know, um, nutrition is key for, you know, really anything, especially, you know, what you eat, but then it's also now like, you got to throw in that second factor where it's like, okay, you're eating this ground beef, right? You know, it's, it's natural farm fed, you know, this and this and this, but how are they, how are they maturing the animals that you get this beef from? Right. It might be farm fed or grass fed, but is the grass getting fertilizer spray? Is it getting antibiotic? You know, like that's a whole nother topic, but it's like those things where it's like, yes, you have the basic concept down where it's like, okay, Mm -hmm. lean meats, chicken, blah, 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 blah. But now there's so much money and you know i won't go into the politics behind it yes i understand i'm with you there's yeah there's all everybody's got to make a dollar right everybody's got to do this 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 and then you got chicken thighs that look like the size of your eye your face like that's not you know that's steroids that's the juice juice. that's the (laughs) the juice juice. you got chickens lifting 400 pounds right Mm -hmm. um but yeah so it's like you know that's where you know really all back into like what we do as fitness professionals and whatnot it's like it's up to us to acknowledge that and then teach that. Like, Hey, listen, you got the basics down. That's good. But now it's like, here's the, the little extra that you got to just be conscious of.
4: Uh, some, some of the simplest things, Adam, that we think are healthy for us. When you actually look into them, you say, wow, that's not very healthy. It may sound healthy just because it was printed in a book or somebody shows you a picture of a muscle builder or buy this or eat that. Or, and the vitamins and nutrients that they have out today, and I'm not trying to sound bad to any company or anything like that, but I just think there's so many things out there that are useless. I mean, why would we need 2000% of anything if our body can only absorb hundred percent of it? And when you're talking about this organic and I, I can't, I mean, I don't have any qualms with organic, but how do you grow organic unless you grow it in your house in a confined area? I mean, the rain's going up in there and it's taking the neighbor's field that he's fertilizing and it's going to rain back down on your field. So it's, Pretty hard to do that. So to pay a tremendous amount of money for some things that they say are organic, it doesn't make that much of a difference because we're consuming a lot of the other bad things along with it every day in the air. But the thing that makes me laugh is natural. Like everything is stamped natural. I don't know what food isn't natural. I mean, if it it's grown in the earth, or it's not made out of plastic or synthetically processed, it should be natural. So, that little buzzwords that they get people to go crazy with is yeah, it's just jacks them up and they'll pay four times the amount, you know? So, we've been buying our eggs up the street off the lady, lets them run free range, you know what I mean? Yep. Leave it at that. It's, I'm not saying it's perfect, you know, because I live near a power plant, but at the same time, it's a lot healthier <laughs> than trying to buy these eggs that are four times the size they should be. Yep. And, and the food tastes different too.
3: It does. And, you know, I, uh, you know, my fiance, we go back and forth on this, but I finally kind of gave in and I was like, all right, like, I didn't want to pay $8 a, a carton of eggs, but I'm just like, you know, egg yolks aren't supposed to be bright yellow. Like they're <laughs> there, you know, it's like, so now you're I'm changing color. <laughs> exactly. Like you're, you're, you're changing the genetic compound of like what an egg actually is supposed to be. And so, you know, now we're, now we're doing the whole, you know, eight dollar up the, the road pasture raise eggs and i'm totally fine mm-hmm. with it because a it's local supporting and mm-hmm. you know it's healthy right you you know what it's coming from they're not being chased around shoved with a needle full of yep. you know whatever to produce these massive eggs um so but um morgan let's uh let's dive a little bit more into you know your your business now you know you've been you've been at it for quite some time um you know and changed all sorts of people's lives you know kind of you know walk me through You know, we we touched on this a little bit, but I want to recircle back to it. Just kind of give our listeners like a quick little like elevator pitch. And what I mean by that is just if somebody were to come to your facility, your high voltage gym, what services do you offer? And then how would you initially consult this person? You know, how would you deem them a good fit for what you provide?
4: Well, it depends on what they're coming in for, because I have such a, a variety. I have the full field of martial arts, which is one whole spectrum by itself and then we have the personal training which is actually fitness condition some are bodybuilders some want to get bigger some want to get smaller something and then we have the groups that just want to lose some weight so when they come in we're not 100 sure what they're looking for some just want a gym to come into that's not a uh, la fitness or a, a commercial gym they just want a gym you know something that they can feel comfortable in right one of the first things we try to do is make everybody understand that our gym is more like a a family group, there's no egos, there's no bull, Uh, you can leave your wallet lay there and and pick it back up and it's going to be there the next day. But in interviewing these people, each person that comes in, I have to find out what their niche is or what they're looking to do. And unfortunately, some of them I have to say, well, be very truthful with you. I don't think that's a good fit for you because you're going to pay me the money and I'm going to get that money for that month. But next month, you're not going to be back. It's too much for you. You're not going to be able to handle it. That actually hinders my business by jumping on that quick $5 instead of trying to make it a longevity thing. So I'll try to tone some of those crazy people down that want to do nine martial arts in a week. I'll try to tone them down to maybe where they could start with one, especially if they had no experience and build upon it from that. We've allowed our business to be non contractual and only because it allows other people, if their job hands them they injure themselves or they just can't afford it I don't want to be the guy chasing you down for a few dollars to keep my business going so we just put the membership on hold we let them come back and go and we've had tremendous results with that people are fairly honest Um, so the no contracts and keeping the prices way down we can approach a lot of other people when I have people come in that are looking for weight loss first thing I have to find out is what's your job what do you do What's your general activities like? I mean, are you a part all weekend? Are you this, are you that? Are you just trying to lose weight because you feel bad or is it an unhealthy thing where you're looking forward to a surgery? So all those things have to be taken into play. And that should do the queue with, you know, do you have a heart, this, that, you know, all the different uh, physical questions that may make me say, hey, can you go check with your doctor quick or something like that, just to cover me insurance wise. Although usually I've dealt with everything. I still like to have some feedback from them. Then we may do, if it's a weight loss type thing, I'd, love, I'd do a body comp as much as possible. First thing, see exactly what they're made of. Is this, you know, muscle fat? Some people can be very big, but very muscular. Do you know what I mean? And then other people have a tremendous amount of visceral fat and other people just have uh, body fat. So we have a really good body comp machine that breaks it down into individual body parts. So I can say, hey, your left leg is out of balance with your right leg and your left arm is out of balance with this one and so forth and so on, which helps me give them more feedback going in. That's why that Veo techni- technology guy, he has a guy jump and he says, hey, he has no propulsion in his right leg, but he's twice as strong in his left. So now I know I have to go back and work on those quads and glutes and hamstrings on the other side. So it gives me a lot more information to feed into them. Um, I usually start them out very slow, especially somebody who's not exercising. I'm going to do mostly body weight exercise with them, flexing, stretching, try to get their joints, their tendons and ligaments warmed up and prepared before I try to throw them in any type of a weight program, whether it be bands or TRX or Bosu, Swiss ball. Um, we even have climbing walls, battle ropes, flipping tires, you know, to get into extreme ends of pushing sleds. But everybody can't do all those things. Everything has to be individualized, I feel, as far as programs. go, I think that's the hardest thing with doing a group class. It's great for the aerobic part, but you can't get around to enough people to really perfect their their form and so forth. And that allowed me being doing a lot more personal training or a very small class group gives me a little more time to actually focus on that, which gets me better results, I think, in the long run. Absolutely. That's That's pretty much about where we go. The kids are totally different. Uh, You know, we have some autistic kids. We have some hyper kids, which to me, I think all kids are hyper. Uh, That's just a a normal mode. I don't think we all have to be medicated to calm them down. And some of them find some real good exits. Um, We find that treating children without being disciplinarians to them and letting them be a little bit of themselves. And yes, they're going to make mistakes. They are going to bless you. They are going to make mistakes. They are going to act up. But that's what kids do. And our job is to see that and then try to gradually change that, not to scream and yell at them. I can make – because I can be ornery. So if I'm screaming and yelling at any kid, let's face it, he's going to listen to me while he's there, and I'm yelling and carrying on. But he walks out my door, he's going to give me a thumbs down and more or less say, forget this bull. And it's not going to carry So if we can get them to enjoy themselves and enjoy us and respect us, not so much fear us, they will do almost anything we ask them to do. And some of these kids, you have to talk to them every time they come in. You have to stop them, look them in the face, make them answer you. They spend so much time in these phones and computers that they have no uh, personal connection with anybody. And as soon as somebody calls them a name, they break down like their skin is so thin. I can understand it, though. Do you know what I mean? Because we dealt with it all. You grew up every day. Somebody's calling you a name or teasing you, or especially me, a little Italian boy. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we had a name for everybody back in the day. We just kind of toughened up from. We were kind of used to it. it. It didn't seem to phase it. But today, people, feelings get hurt so massively and so depressed how we have children. Young children are depressed because of the social media they're not getting out moving They get no endorphins no physical accomplishments that they can actually see they think their accomplishments are in this tv or in their phone and it's it's uh, very frustrating for our kids today and we, i think we have a big responsibility to them to kind of step up and guide them the best way we can without being their parents we're not their parents so but we do have a responsibility to them
3: yeah um that gave me a great idea but we'll talk about that later. Um, (laughs) But no, yeah. So it it, absolutely, you know, it's, it's that thick and thin skin, you know, and I won't dabble on too much that, but it's you teaching, teaching the people, getting them to understand it's okay. Like if this happens to you, it's okay. Here's how we're going to deal with that. Or here's a way to respond back to that positively or, you know, just, just versus like breaking down and, you know, going and crying to mom and dad and which, like I said, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's like, rather than just looking for nourishment and comfort, rather than giving skills and positive criticism to where it's like, okay, hey, look, if this happens, you know, how, how am I gonna respond to this? What, what's what's going to be my development to, to, you know, strengthen myself personally? Because, whether it's high school or six thousand miles across the country, like it's it's gonna happen regardless. So it's better to be prepared and and skilled in dealing with that. So to the point where like it's it's not necessarily like, woe is me. It's more of like okay,
4: I've I've been here before. This is how we're gonna deal with this. So, um, I agree with you a hundred percent. And I think we just to be a little more patient, especially with our younger kids, because like I said, they're so confused today and they're coming up in a different world. But I also have sometimes that I have to. The hardest thing for me, I think, is to figure out the proper way to approach a father or a mother in a class who feels like they're continually correcting their poor kid. <laughs> like, like they're always yelling at them or pointing at them, or when they're done with class, hammering them about it. And it's, unfortunately some of them have never even played a sport or haven't been in that situation. So a lot of times I have to say to them, I said, you know, how you would feel if I brought you up here in front of all these kids and ask you to do something, you'd be pretty embarrassed. So your child is going to be a little embarrassed, but we have to build that confidence up in them and you're not going to get it by yelling at them and making them do it. So me trying to approach the parents I have to be extremely cautious because, you know, people get their feelings hurt and, you not know, like you butting into their family life, but when they come in to train from us or train with us, I expect them to be with me for that hour or so and give them the best i can and the parents should actually sit back a little bit and, and talk to them about it when they go home but yelling at them and giving them a hard time in class doesn't doesn't help children at all mm-hmm. yeah
3: um <clears throat> absolutely well with that being said let's kind of dive in you know a little bit more into you know high voltage you know Currently, you know, you've been in the business for a little while now. You know, what's, what's your lead generation look like? How are leads coming in your door? Is it word of mouth? Is it, you know, marketing? Is it social media? Is it, you know, um, organic? You know, kind of walk me through, you know, where, where you get the majority of your people.
4: We originally did very little advertising because we had a good following. Uh, a few, you know, yard signs, this and that. But what has really, really helped us out and I think has given me a, a good step up is getting a really good five-star rating, being extremely honest and word of mouth has really traveled around. Lately, I understand that everything is going into technology. So, you know, we're, I just realized that uh, we have a Facebook page. So, <laughs> you know what I mean, so, I mean, I do this stuff in the gym, but that's, so we're stepping into a little more of that. And like I said, doing more of these podcasts and things like that, just to get the word out. I don't know if it's necessarily so much as me trying to bring business in, but getting the word out. Um, Word of mouth seems to be the best way for us. I'm not saying that we can't throw out some flyers and and all types of gifts and free this and free that, but we've never done that. We kept our prices extremely extremely low uh, in comparison to anybody in the area. We're probably seventy five percent lower than anybody else charges for anything, and we do okay. Like I said, we're not trying to get rich on it. We're trying to get this point out across and the money seems to grow on its own without us having to push it. But uh, I'm not really sure where we're going to go next as far as we're going to do some type of marketing. I just haven't decided which way to go yet with it. There's a lot of different ideas out there, but I just feel word of mouth for us has been the strongest so far and past reputation, you know, I said, I've been doing this 50 some years. So people know me for 50 some years, even though I've only been in business 12, they know me a lot longer. So we have three and four generations of the same people coming to our gym. We have the grandkids, the grandparents, the parents coming in and training with us, and they feed out and also doing things in the community, you know, doing a car show to raise some money for a special needs child, or uh, like right now we're doing a, a diaper drive for a uh, foster care program it has brought people and we've never seen they're dropping diapers off and they're saying, oh, I didn't know this was here. So things like that and being involved in the community, I think help a lot, you know, does, does help bring things in. But I'm not really sure 100% which direction I like to go. Um, I don't want to spend a fortune on marketing that may not pay off. Um, but I do think I need to open up and get more out there, you know, it's just as those business grows, it's got to get out.
3: That's right. And, you know, obviously, <clears throat> You know, you want to continue to grow and you got new technology coming in and, you know, being able to market that new technology to be like, hey, try us. We do this, this and this and our competitors don't or, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever the case might be. But um, I also think, you know, you know, every like like we talked about, even the most experienced Olympic athletes have a coach, have somebody that's developing them just like a business or a, a gym owner. They have a mentor or a marketing coach or a business or whoever, whatever, giving them insight on how to do this, this, and this, or, hey, let's try this, this, and this, and, you know, things like that. So um, to my point is with like your vision and, you know, you're, you're really trying to get out the word of, you know, more than just like fitness and this and that, it's like, there's like an instillity behind, you know, the thought. So why not be able to market that specific point to you know, the right niche of people to where it's like, wow, this facility really seems like it's the right fit for me because of this, this and this.
4: Mm-hmm. So, you know, See, that's where my education lacks. And that's what I'm trying to get more into now. You know, I've stuck in my old ways for so long that the last six or seven years is really when I've started realizing, hey, there's a whole new world out there other than just hands on. Yeah. So uh, We're a lot of the guys that I train are a lot of good businessmen. We have guys that own car dealerships, doctors, lawyers, they're actually starting to help and, and give some insight on how they grew things a little bit differently because they're really technology sound. So they haven't given us some suggestions, which I have to throw to my wife first because I want to make sure I don't make the mistake. I'll throw it on her. And I don't, don't widen up, but anybody that has any information on things like that, that's what we have to get out there, especially yeah. guys of my age, don't we don't know that. We just we weren't brought up with it, so- yeah. And it is what's happening today. It is the world today.
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, you know, I uh, you know, work with a lot of people that, you know, dabble into that stuff and talk to people every single day that, you know, they say the same exact thing. It's like, you know, like that's kind of the avenue that we need to go,
4: but X, Y, and Z. You know. Mm-hmm. So, I don't yeah. want to give up all what we do, but I do need to be able to approach more people and get it out there. And it's not gonna go out by word of mouth, like it used to too many people. And everybody's on, on, you know, social media today is where this extent's going to go. And things like these podcasts, I've listened to several of your podcasts. Some of the information is, is, I mean, it's really great to hear other guys from all over the country dealing with some of the same things, seeing the same things, doing the same things. And then there's some that have some totally different approaches that I would have never even thought of. Do you know what I mean? And all this virtual training and so forth that they're doing is, I think it's pretty impressive. Unfortunately, I have had some experience with uh, some trainers and and um, some virtual things where it's great for me to say, hey, uh, Adam, go do like a 10 sets over there. And then I'm on my phone for an hour and a half walking around and I'll, or I'll say to you, well, what are you having for dinner tonight or where were you this weekend? And I can kill 40 minutes of my hour program having a conversation with you. It is extremely frustrating to me. Yep. So we don't allow that in our, in our gym. Um, but I've seen it in many, many gyms and I guess it's just people's, some people want that though. Some people do, I believe just want to talk, want to hang out one company and they want to say, Hey, I train with a bodybuilder or whatever, even though they look like they've never worked out a day in their life and their heart's bad. Yeah. Their knees are bad. They're strapped up. They've got diabetic socks on, you know, it's, all these things that I think we have a responsibility to kind of keep cleaned up to a certain point, but we can't change everything.
3: Yeah. hundred um, percent. Well with, you know, obviously, you know, marketing and just reaching more people in general, kind of, you know, let's piggyback off that a little bit and kind of walk me through, obviously every gym owner wants to grow, but what specifically for you, you know, where, where, what's, what's kind of like on your agenda for, the next step in your, your business, you know, do you want to, you know, what's the max number of people you said you have about 300 members or so monthly, like, you know, is that, is that cap out? Do you want to hit more members? You want to open up another facility? Kind of walk me through like what's, what's for you, you know, you've been in it for a while. What's kind of like your next steps.
4: Well, Well, space wise is kind of hindering us. So what I'm trying to look for is the empty gaps during the day or during the night that are holes there that I can fill with a separate, a different class or a client or something to keep that income coming in in the empty holes and slots. But I do think that in the future, we're going to hopefully move. I'm going to do more and more with this post and pre-rehab stuff because it's extremely interesting and to see great results from people who can't do something, always do it. So I want to really push more into that line, but I also feel that reaching out to these kids and getting them in a youth, some type of a youths, Training, not just sports conditioning, but an actual training program with smaller numbers that lasts, say, maybe eight weeks or so forth, that they can come in two or three times a week and actually learn proper form on calisthenics and exercising. Then they can go wing it on their own and go back with the coaches and all that other kind of stuff when they play. So I think that's kind of my next thing that I'm looking at is to try to delve more into youth weightlifting and strength training. I have lots of youth programs for kickboxing and boxing and jujitsu and things like that. But I, I think having a class where the children can actually take the time and learn with the right weights and so forth and get the proper motion of it and the mechanics on their body, I think will save them a lot of these injuries in the sports that are coming up today. Because some kids are playing three or four sports at one time. Like I'm amazed. I, I I couldn't do it. You know, there's no way I could keep that pace and drive to Delaware today to play baseball in New Jersey in the afternoon for this. It's it's hard on them. I mean, Unfortunately, all the parents, I mean, everybody wants the best for their child. So we all think our child's going to be the pitcher and the quarterback and the, you know, the fastest guy in the world and the strongest man. And it's great to have that feelings for your kids. But reality does set into a time and you can only push a child so far until you injure something in them or shut them down when they don't enjoy what they're doing anymore. And they might have had a good chance of getting a scholarship or something through it, but they're overdosed with it and don't want to do it anymore. So... Um, Especially,
3: you, reach out. Uh, especially, uh, you know, you, you like, and not to spend too much time on this, but it's like, if, if you try to push too much on them or on their body, more specifically, their, their muscles, their ligaments, their tendons, their joints, their body's not developed for that. Yes. They're younger. They might have more elasticity. They might have more range of motion, so on and so forth. But like you take a small example of a bodybuilder. Um, or a, a kid that wants to be a bodybuilder who starts taking juice right
5: mm-hmm. he's
3: his strength and his weight is going up dramatically but his yes. muscles have not been conditioned to handle that load so you're putting three 400 pounds on a bench when you're used to doing 200 guess what your, your tendons have not had enough time to condition to that strength you're going to rip something you're going to tear something you're going to hurt something so you're just
4: compressing cartilage after cartilage that hasn't been fully developed especially if they're they're like growth plates aren't 100% into place. And let's face it, nobody really knows 100% exactly when them growth plates are done unless you're getting x-rays and the doctor tells you. But I, I don't think that we need to put that much pressure on our children as far as that extra weight. They can get great muscle and tendon ligament development. So when they do get into that puberty part and a little bit past it, and their testosterone starts to pick up, they are going to be a lot stronger, but a lot safer. And I just think that's a, one of the points of getting it in at a younger age instead of letting every young kid think that he has to do a 400 pound squat. You know, it's just, you know, it's great to do if you want to do it and you're young enough to get away with it, but it's not for everybody. And we are affected by the masses. So we have to look at everybody and bring everybody in Where, like I said, they have a special needs, they have an injury, they're weak, they're small, they're emotionally down or up. We have to approach them all. We have a responsibility to everybody out there. I don't think we can, zero in and say i'm only going to work with this type of person i mean it'd be nice to make it easy for you but the challenge wouldn't be there and i think i'd lose out a lot on it so i'm going to try to stick with it as long as i can i said i'm 71 now i'll be 71 in april i should say so i probably got another 30 or 40 years left of this and then i'm probably gonna have to do something else
3: hey that's all right but by the time we uh you know you scale and you you get the right demographic and the extra classes in there you'll be able to You'll be able to do a lot of other things. You'll have some, some freedom um, to, to decide what you want to do.
4: Yeah, I think it'll give me a chance to sit back a little bit and uh, you know enjoy things. I really like watching the guys now that have been with me 10, 10, 11 years now. I've really come a long way. Their classes are a good camaraderie group. It's uh, just a, it's a real nice feeling to walk into your gym and there's no uh, drama. Uh, you know what a you know, gym drama is? Sometimes it's... It's, it's, it's everywhere. It's, it's just sickening. It just weighs you down. So we've had a couple of instructors along the way that enjoyed that kind of thing. And we, had a, we chop it off right away. We see something's not there. You chop it off immediately and build on that point. And right now I have a really great group of guys. Like I said, some of them have been with me 11 or 12 years. We're very close-knit. I could say, hey, guys, I'm out today. I need help. Boom, they're there. I can, we've gotten so well known with our members. Like if it's in the end of the night and it's like oh, nine o'clock cause we're open nine to nine every day, sometimes till 10, 30, 11, but it's like nine o'clock and we're going to close the doors and there's guys in there working out and say, Hey guys, look, man, I'm going home. I'm locking this door. You hit those lights on your way out. And that's how it's been working for years. So we have guys sometimes they're in there till 10, 11 o'clock at night. The doors are locked. Nobody else can get in. And they lock them going out and I've never had an issue with anybody not turning off a light or, or being responsible to lock the door. So Mm -hmm. that shows that my members have a lot going for them too, you know? Absolutely.
3: Yeah. Um, Well, Morgan, with that, I think that's a good spot to, to wrap us up for the day. I got two last things here for you. Sure. First one is, you know, you've been in the, like I said, I keep saying this, but you, you've had a lot of experience in the business and you've been doing it for, you know, since 2012 now. Um, what type of advice or what kind of advice would you give somebody that's looking to start their own business in the health
4: fitness industry? I, I probably get as much education as you can and not just odds and end things like some serious delve into some good education. So, you know what you're talking about and honesty. I think honesty with the people up front, honesty with what you're going to charge them, uh, and concern. You have to have concern for your clients otherwise you're just running in place and I don't think you'll go anywhere. People will know that you just don't care that much that you're running through the motions. And I think that'll deter a lot of your clientele. But if you can get a connection with your client and connection with your people and they feel confident with you and confident with your knowledge, you're going to grow and grow and grow and it's not going to take you a whole lot of work.
3: Love it. Short and sweet and powerful. Um, appreciate that last piece here, Morgan is for anybody that's in, you know, the, the, Limerick area, you know, or anybody, any of our listeners out there that might be traveling or, you know, they want to check out your facility, go ahead and give a shout out, you know, Instagram, Facebook websites. How can they
4: reach your facility? Well, we're in Limerick, Pennsylvania. Uh, you can, we have a Facebook, naturally Facebook. We also have a website. They can go on the website, high voltage gym. They'll give you the hours and so forth and so on. We have a lot of people coming in from out of town for some of these pharmaceutical companies in the area. I usually, if they're only here for a day or so and they're from out of town, I usually don't charge them. I let them get a workout in. And we've had some of these people come back from South Carolina and North Carolina and they train down there that when they're passing through or down from New York, they stop in my gym, you know, and they train. So we can charge them $10 a, a day for a drop in fee, but that's not important to me. It's the fact of just getting more people in and letting them know that we're there. But anybody's welcome to stop by at any time. People have called me from other states. Guys call me from college. Hey, can you help me out with this question? Or can you send me a workout? It's, we'll do anything we can to, to help the people that are there. And it's not always about the money, unfortunately.
3: Yeah, love that. Um, well, for everybody out there listening, uh, that's Morgan's story. He's super passionate. Um, and honest about, you know, his operation, what he's trying to instill into anybody that walks into his facility. So if this story inspired you and you're like, oh man, I got to go check him out, do so. Um, Or if you want to come on the podcast and talk about your experiences and what you're doing and, you know, maybe some opportunities or struggles and things like that, click on the link below, fill out your information. We'll reach out to you and we'll get you on the show. But until then y'all, that's been another episode of the Jim Lords podcast. Jim Lords out.
0: Now stick around for the rest of this episode.
6: Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders.
5: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I am your host. My name is Joe Fitzgerald. Joining us on the show today, our guest is Nikki Scholl of Train Like a Girl, Coming to you from Visalia, California. Nikki, what's going on? How are you today?
6: I am fabulous. How are you?
5: I am doing very, very well. I'm excited to get this rolling. I am interested in picking your brain. I got to ask a lot of my own questions before we hopped into this interview here officially, but I don't want to steal your thunder. For the people who aren't familiar with Train Like a Girl, Give us a little bit of background on this. How do you how do you describe what this is in your own words?
6: So Train Like a Girl is a body positive, body inclusive women's strength facility. So we focus on helping our clients gain confidence, gain strength, and gain power without the stress of having to worry about society's version of all that women should have to lose along the way.
2: Yeah,
5: now... We've got this business. Tell us a little bit about the early days and how this whole thing got started. I find that origin stories on things like this tell us a lot. So take us back to the day that the idea popped into your head. I'm going to open up my own studio. What was going on and and how did we get here?
6: So I had worked at another facility for several years and had really struggled with my own envision of. Um, of health. And I kind of navigated into a space of having body dysmorphia and connecting my body to being a billboard. And so I really shifted the way that I was coaching my clients and that no longer aligned with the facility that I was working at. And at that point, I had built a women's only program within my the gym that I was working at. And so I decided that I was going to move and shift where I was coaching at to a different facility. And then within six weeks, I got fired. Um, and that's where the idea of Turn Like a Girl came from, was I realized that my methodology behind the mindset of training was not typical. And if I wanted to stay in doing what I loved and training women in the way that I loved training them, um, I was going to have to do my own thing. And I, because I had left and went to another facility, most of my clients were in contracts over there for six months. So Mm. I had um, zero idea of what it was like to own a business. I had no money and I had no clients. So I had went to my trainer at the time and asked him if I could sublease his building to start kind of um, building a base of clientele and practice what it would be like to own my own um, studio. And I sat down and took a six foot long piece of paper. I mean, it was the size of my living room and started drawing a timeline of what I wanted it to look like and what I wanted to do and events that I wanted to have. And I broke it up into my little dreams all the way into my big dream. And I still use that, now it's framed. Um, I still use this long thing that's been broken up into these beautiful frames to kind of revert back to when I feel like I'm getting off track from my mission and um, model of what I wanted train like a girl to look like. so it was not easy. And then within, oh gosh, I signed on with him in May and he had actually played for, um, his brother plays for The chargers and he had played for the cougars and he had decided to take a coaching position within nevada state within three months of me starting um subleasing from him and he was like if you want to take over the gym you can take over it if you don't you're gonna have to find another place to go so within three months i was handed a fully functioning um gym but still all of his clients went elsewhere because they he was mostly training collegiate athletes Mm -hmm. and um and high school players. And so he was doing a completely different style of training than I was. So I was just like, okay, well, I'm either going to go bankrupt or I'm going to make this work.
5: Yeah. And so the idea wasn't originally to be a business owner. We were just sort of forced into that position from previous employment. The stars aligned and, and we were presented with a location with which to host all of this and now a handful of years later you are still a business owner so something must have gone right in that time as you look back into your tenure as a business owner here walk us through some perspective on that what's been what's been your favorite part about operating your own business and and what's been the most challenging part for you so far
6: Oh, gosh, I always jokingly tell new coaches when I talk to them about how I wish I could go back to my original clients and apologize to them, because um, I had a lot to learn. I mean, I thought, like everybody, I thought I knew it all. I had worked underneath direct management for a long time in a gym space, and so, of course, I already knew what it was going to be like to own a business, and I had zero idea of what it was going to be like. Um my favorite things is really connecting in a community and giving that space to women and young girls. So when I when I started um within six months, I had a contract with um some therapists in town working with women and young girls who were in recovery for eating disorders and teaching them positive body movement. So it was the ability for them to go from this very negative conversation around their body and, you know, having clinicians that were afraid to allow them back into a gym setting to give them a safe place to be and to now look back five years later, even though some of them are no longer with us, but I still stay connected with them through social media to just see the advancement of where they they were when they started with us and just having this deep rooted fear of being in a gym because it was always connected to that um, disorder to now seeing these women flourishing and they're out giving speeches and they're having children of their own so my favorite has been you know really just watching the growth of my clients um, learn just to speak up and speak out Um, the hard part is you know it's just COVID and life and everything else that kind of happened along the way that I had to learn to adapt quite a bit
5: yeah now being in California COVID hit you probably harder than most at least here in the country in the U.S. how do how do your numbers as far as membership now compare to 2019 or early 2020
6: we have more than doubled
5: okay okay
6: And we actually doubled during COVID um, because we, I could have, and I say, and I definitely say we, because it is a team thing. My team stayed with me the entire time was, you know, we met on Zoom and we were like, okay, what are we going to do? And there was all this like negativity. I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe that's happening. And I was like, whoa, 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 wait, like this we can either sit here and talk about all the ways that we are wronged and have to shut down and everybody needs health, or we can just focus on how we're going to make this better. How are we going to stay connected to our clients? How are we going to keep our community going? How are we going to keep our community engaged? And we started a letter writing campaign. So our girls um, wrote letters to each other, handwritten letters and cards throughout there. Um, We did live Zoom classes at the same exact times we always did our our classes. We didn't reduce the amount that we charged our clients because we were still giving them the same exact services. We did scavenger hunts for staying active. I mean, we, and that grew because people still wanted connection. And a lot of the other gyms were doing at-home written workouts or one Zoom a day, and then you could do the replay. That we were just like we're gonna we're gonna run this like it's a regular business and no it's not what we want to do we want to be here with people but we're just gonna keep rolling and because our members were like no they're still holding us accountable and we're doing weekly check ins and doing all these things our membership grew and grew and grew and when we were able to open up in in studio and still stay online um, it continued to grow because a lot of our bigger box gyms um, in our town were not open yet, and so people were moving more towards the mom and pop shops because they still wanted that connection to work out, and then they were people who would have not necessarily tried a small group training gym, and since they had the opportunity and they got to see the difference in, you know, personalized training versus you know, doing a group X class, um, and the majority of them stayed. So COVID was actually really well for us because we adapted.
1: All
5: right, so not much changed from a fulfillment standpoint and we were able to add to our membership throughout that time. Was there a, a marketing strategy behind the growth at that time or was it somewhat organic that you were able to double?
6: I think at first it was pretty much just it was just an organic growth of the excitement to be, I love change. Like I love when things are different and shifted. And so it was exciting to me because I think anybody that's been in the industry knows it can become very monotonous of you, you come in, you train the client, you do the thing, you check the box, that this was something that I got to be super creative with how I stayed engaged with my clients. And then once we realized and in all of this too I was also um seven months pregnant when um everything happened so this was March I was due in May and I knew I was getting ready to go on maternity leave and we were told it was six weeks and when we realized it was going to be longer than six weeks and I was getting ready to have my daughter I definitely was like okay I need to come up with a plan because we're going to be in this for a hot second
5: Yep. so how did people find you during this time was this with advertising dollars and a budget behind it was this purely word of mouth type referrals a good portion of it that.
6: was um a good portion of it w- was word of mouth because we did still um, shift the way that we were doing inside training. <laughs> if that may, like we were allowed to be open because we would do a lot of our stuff outdoors, but they were still quantities and numbers, and we were not going to bring any more attention to what we were already doing, anyways. Mm. Um, so we did use some social media marketing for our online program, and then would share that we would have um, times that you could reserve. We used Mind Body to reserve the spots and numbers, and we checked equipment out to our clients. Um, so they were able to, if they were working out from home, they were able to check out equipment from the gym and bring it home. And then if they needed to upgrade the weight that they were using, they would bring it back in and we'd check them back out something heavier. Um, and so the majority of it was was just word of mouth of the connection. And then there was a small p- percentage of it that was um, social media based. We primarily use Instagram. I always say that when I close this gym or gift it to one of my children, I'm going to get off social media in a hot <sighs> second. Like
5: <laughs> for I can't clarification, wait to not
6: have to post my breakfast. Like, <laughs> oh,
5: God. Yeah. No, you and everybody else, I think. For, for clarification, is this with advertising dollars or you're just on social media using it for for Uh, content purposes we
6: probably budget about i don't know fifty to seventy five dollars a month that we put into instagram mess um promotions with our other organization we find a lot of our clients come better from facebook um but with our thank you um but with our um Oh, I'm sorry. My daughter, Sarah. No. <laughs> um, but with our um, with our Train Like a Girl j- facility, we um, primarily use Instagram behind that.
5: Got it. Okay, so $50 to $75 in, in minimal ad spend is what it sounds like. Yeah. Is there a reason why, or actually let me ask you this, how successful or or how not successful has that been?
6: Uh, well... I'm sad too. Okay, <laughs> um, you know, I think it's it definitely shifted from where we were years ago. It was easier, right, to to not have to put money behind paid ads. Um, that in the past, probably two and a half years, it's not been as successful. Um, sticking with that fifty dollars to seventy-five dollars, but adding in the the additional, you know, organization that we have, it's really just been easier on my end to kind of manage the growth of both. Um, But it's definitely something that we're going to have to, to shift in the, in the future to add more of a budget into, okay, honey, to add more of a budget into doing online
5: ads. Sure. Okay. Take us to the next step here and, and walk us through. I mean, just getting leads is, is only half of the equation here for For someone who's interested, whether they find you on Instagram or Facebook or referral from a current member, whatever the source is, walk me through the checkpoints and various steps in in terms of how somebody actually signs up.
6: Yeah. So usually, um, you know, if someone reaches out via Instagram or Facebook, we will um, give them a call and go through a verbal assessment with them. So we'll ask them questions. Are you currently training? What have you been training? You know, what's your medical background? If we find that it's someone that may need a little bit more of a um, full assessment, we'll bring them in. Um, If it's someone that has a current background in an exercise Um, then we allow them to start a free two-week trial in our group classes. So they come in, they work out for free. A lot of that has to do with the fact that we have a very unique message in here and we know that it's not for everybody. And um, I I jokingly say that if you're offended by what you see on my Instagram, you're gonna be real offended when you meet me in person. So we kind of use our personality on Instagram and Facebook to show a percentage of what we support and what we do. And then from there, when they come in, they get to see the community in which we support and the community that we've built within here. And so it's not really to, you know, pick and choose. It's really just to give people the space to determine if this is the right space for them. And if they are going to align with the mission and model that we have behind our our facility. Yep. We actually find that it works really well. Um, so then they start a two week trial. And then from there, they um, go into a group membership month to month contract. So we don't do um, long term contracts with any of our clients. Again, it kind of goes back into the mission and model of this. If this no longer serves you, I we're not married. I, you can leave, you can go find. I found with myself, I've been a runner, I've been a triathlete, I've lifted, I've done a million different things that feel good for me and my body that I don't want people here that feel like they're in a long term relationship with me that's no longer working.
5: (laughs) Yeah. And I think it sounds like both pre sale and post sale, that's kind of the mentality is here's what we are and what we do. If that jives with what you're looking for, wonderful. Here's how we can help. But if not, that's fine too. I find that a lot of gym owners that I talk to, whether by necessity or by choice, find themselves in a situation where they're scraping and clawing to get anybody to sign up. And that leads to a really, really unhappy gym owner. Most of the time they're dealing with people that they didn't quite plan on serving they're doing things that they didn't have originally in mind when they thought about opening their gym and compromising on values you guys have been able to stick to what we sought to do in the early days beyond that nikki somebody signs up hypothetically we have this member in your position what do you focus on to to try to keep people around as long as possible, to retain and continue to provide value for your members?
6: One of the things that we ensure that we do is offer lots of um, community involvement outside of our our group classes. So a big goal for us is to create a city within our city. And so we, We have nonprofits that we focus on monthly, whether we are um, collecting donations for them or physically going in there together as a gym body and and donating our time. We host bi-monthly events where it may be a cocktails and cardio night or actually this month we are doing a um, Granny's Gone Wild bunco night where my girls are gonna dress up and we're like grannies and we're gonna play bunco together. So for us, it's just, it's creating that sense of community and that safe place for them to be able to exist in, in the world and build friendships with like-minded women and girls.
5: Yeah. And so it's, I, I liken it to more than just a workout, right? It's it's the experience. The workout it's is the, secondary.
0: <laughs> it's,
5: this is, yeah, this is an afterthought. We, and, and it, even in our conversation, we have not for one second talked about sets or reps or what you guys do in these sessions. And it seems somewhat irrelevant to the bigger message
6: and we do so all of our clients do have um tracking books that they keep and we believe that women and girls have autonomy over their own body to choose weight loss as a goal so it's not something that we avoid we just like to add in the and so if weight loss is your goal and we're going to feel more confident wearing white jeans and we're going to, you know, build our sets and reps and we're going to, or how are we going to get there, right? What is that going to look like? So you want to lose weight, but how do you want to lose weight? What excites you, right? Does, you know, going out and running a 5k and completing that excite you does being able to do, you know, push up on the ground for the first time. And that's what we track. We don't track anybody's weight at all in here they are able to do it themselves we Mm -hmm. will weigh them for them they can keep it on their phone but that is is, will measure them if they want they can keep that on their phone but in no place in this building is anybody's weight carried around with them uh, and by any of our trainers and so we allow them to have that safe space but in here our goal is to make you fitter stronger and faster And so they all have books and they open them up and they know what they bench pressed last week or, you know, what their time trial was or whatever it may be. So when we get to that space where that, you know, make believe version of motivation goes away, right? We get to look at like, yeah, maybe you've had a shitty week, right? But here's where we're at. Here's where we were. And let's just keep moving forward from there and gain that momentum back up. And we do work a lot with the fact of, like, understanding women's physiology in training, knowing that, um, you know, we're more likely to PR on our periods than when we're not. So we also get real deep into what it's like to experience training as a woman and empower them with that, too, to understand that there's a reason why you're not, you know, at that same level that you were last week part of that is hormonal how can we shift that it's matching our nutrition to where we're at in our you know in our phase of our of our menstrual cycles right so then that's how we can also incorporate that conversation of nutrition without ever having to talk about their weight
5: at all absolutely now our conversation has has almost entirely stemmed from how'd you get here? and What do things look like today? But I want to see your thoughts on where all of this is going. What is the, the big picture in your mind for train like a girl? Where do you want to see this business here as time goes on?
6: Oh gosh. <laughs> so our big focus right now is really working with our younger group. So, um, towards the tail end of, and I say the tail end of COVID, but that's whatever, (laughs) Um, towards the tail end of the public being closed down, we started a program called the Inspire Project. And that project is working with more, the ages of 10 to 17, to begin creating the same ideas and philosophies that we have with our women and empowering our young girls with that message. And so we're in a really comfortable space, that that we enjoy with train like a girl with the 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 rate of growth and um, you know what we're bringing to community in that and now we're kind of shifting underneath train like a girl and focusing on you know how do we how do we essentially save you know this new generation of girls from this heartache that my generation went through watching our parents go through jenny craig and all these different you know weight loss shots and pills and and how do we teach them to be comfortable and confident in a gym setting and erase a lot of that heavy messaging that we didn't have as kids either with social media right and and that constant comparison around their bodies so for us our big goal is to grow our inspire project and um, continue to to work with our school district on bettering that message around our young girls and exercise and nutrition
5: yeah and so like we said the the mission is bigger than just serving the clientele and doing it more, bigger, better. I'm sure that there is some aspect of of growth and looking to grow the business, but I find that the evolution of businesses and business owners like this, especially within fitness, is that there's usually something that we want to give back to, right? Yeah. It's rare that I see a gym owner with a brand new Ferrari in the parking lot That doesn't mean that the gym's not making money, but that money is usually routed to what else can we do? How can I help people coming up behind me? It sounds like that's a really, really big focus for you guys, you you specifically. Is that right?
6: Yeah. And so we kind of look at it the fact that the more that we're involved in the community and giving back with the time and the resources that we have, the more clients we gain. And I enjoy that. I don't enjoy begging people to join the gym on Instagram and Facebook. I don't want to go to another health expo in my life. Um, but we gain. right? I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to deal with that crowd anymore. That I find that because we do these daddy daughter events at baseball nights where we have the dads and daughters racing against each other on father's day, that's how I'm getting my clients they're getting to experience that connection and they want to be a part of it. And they know what we stand for and they want that for themselves or they want that for their child. And then the gym grows that way. And I love that. And I don't have to focus so much on this comparison of what everybody else is doing because I'm taking all of my energy and putting it into what I want to do.
5: That's really, really important here. And I think it's it's probably a little bit different now than when you first opened. When you first opened, it was (laughs) probably Nikki, the head coach, Nikki, the sales director, Nikki, the head janitor, Nikki, all of these things. And as we build a business and, and generate a decent profit and are able to delegate some of these things, then we can really pour into where your time will have the biggest effect. Yeah. And I think
6: back to, you know, the years that I spent coaching for other people, I was working for other businesses where the mindset was a constant comparison to what is everybody else doing? And we need to stay innovative or we need to do this, you know, direct sales program to gain New Year's clients. And it was this constant comparison and this constant need to build sales and how are we going to find more people that I'm like, I don't have to find people. They just come. They come because they want the community and they come because they want to be, yeah, they want to be a part of something. And I think that again goes into experience. So when I opened the gym, I was immediately like, okay, I got to do these six week challenges and I've got to like go online and be better than everybody else. And now I'm like, no, I'm good. Like I'm just going to be me and I'm going to go out into the community and I'm going to, the people, we don't even have signs in our building. We have zero signage. And I'm like, (laughs) people will find us. They will find, if you are here, you are meant to be here. And it works really, really, really well because our retention rate now versus what it was when I first started is significantly higher because I am more authentic to who I am as a person and what my bigger picture is. It's not to gain all the clients, I just need this many, right? I just, I only need 0.5% of the 175,000 people in my town because those are, that's, you know, plenty of clients for me to live a great life and really love my job. Like, I don't mind getting up at 4 a.m. to go to work because I love my clients and I love my job. And it was not always like that. Like you said, there was plenty of clients that I had to have. They were paying me, you know, anywhere from a thousand to $2,000 a month. And that was my rent. But I hated working for them. It made me sick to my stomach to train them. It wasn't what I wanted to do. They didn't yeah. align with, with my lifestyle. And I vowed to never be in that place again.
5: Yeah, I, I think it's important to delineate. You said what everyone else is doing and comparison game and this and that. I, I always like to revisit that there's a difference between good sound business principles and tactic of the day you know the first category they don't change that much put out a good service do right by your people you'll probably have a decent business the second category there's any kind any number of strategies within it some work some don't some jive better with others than some but we need to really pay a lot more attention to this first bucket than we do the second you know it's how can we build a business not how can we gimmick our way to the quick dollar that's a really good place for us to start to wrap our conversation up but I want to share a minute or two at least for you to tell people where they can learn more about all of this is there a website is there social media where can people go to connect with you guys
6: so, we are on Facebook and Instagram at Train Like Girl Studio. I believe we have a website, you guys. I don't know, man. Like, when I say I want to be off the internet, when I can't okay, get that, when I started my business, I didn't, again, know I was starting a business and I put my cell phone number on a banner. Um, and so, my personal cell phone is all over the internet. So, um, I don't even know. I had a website, I thought it was important at one time. It probably is. But I know for sure we're on Facebook and Instagram. You can let me know if we have a website, if it's still up.
5: <laughs> Google train like a girl and it'll get you to where you need it'll to go. It'll get you
6: somewhere and it'll get you my personal cell phone number. Now I have a work line.
5: <laughs> there you are. This has been a bunch of fun. I, I absolutely appreciate the time and, and your willingness to share perspective on what it's like to be a business owner in your seat. I'm excited to see how this whole thing looks as as you progress and unfortunately we're out of time today but I appreciate it and and I wish you nothing but the best in your pursuit going forward
6: thank you so much
5: absolutely to everyone who tuned in thank you as well don't forget if you'd like to be notified about future episodes hit like and subscribe if you're interested in joining us to talk about your business click the link in the description fill it out our team will be in touch soon and as always until next time Jim Lord's out